See, that's how you make a point. <laughs> Come around the backside. Like, yeah. Well done. That's why I'm here. Welcome to the Thoughts on Digital podcast. Ideas and insight about the ever-changing world of digital marketing. How's it going, everybody? My name's Adam Levine, and today I'm sitting down with Patrice Lamumba-Jones. He's the partner and VP of creative at Enlight Media. And today we're going to be talking about the future of education and uh, a lot about how video really plays into that. How's it going, Patrice? It's going great. Awesome. It's going great. Glad to be here. I was telling you, I've been looking forward to this for a little while. Known you for probably about 10 years now. Yeah, probably longer than that. Yeah, you've been, uh, you've been working in the education space for, for a long time. You were over at Pearson Education for a while, yeah. uh, but now you're on the other side of this where mm-hmm. you're you know, uh, a vendor now, yeah. right? Um, so let's, uh, you know, why don't you, you know, give a little bit of background about you know, who you are, what you yeah. do, and you know, how your company is, uh, is yeah. working in, in the education space. So I had a career, uh, long career at Pearson, 23 years in marketing for the most part, uh, then moving into creative uh, in the higher ed space. So a lot of the time I spent was around um, talking to customers and then creating messaging and informing products that address their needs uh, in the classroom, and that's both students uh, and faculty. And one of the things that uh, I always thought we could do better uh, at was the creation of video that really impacted learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there were some challenges around doing that uh, with your legacy legacy product being a textbook. Right. And then deciding you need to incorporate technology, but then looking at that technology as uh, supplemental and then the shift to be like, well, maybe the technology should be center stage. And then somebody goes, well, maybe that technology should include video content, right? Which is a whole thing in itself. And sure. so what happens is you've got, you're competing for resources between these three things, which actually uh, are fairly uh, cost intensive to create, you know? And so the trade-offs just were not one that you were going to end up being like, and that's it. We're going to make an hour-long documentary on mitosis for right. students, right? So um, the video really had, at the point that I left, had not gotten to the point where it was kind of comparable to what you see out here in the consumer market for video. And I think the standards, uh, especially with students, what they expect from video, I mean, they're consuming Netflix, they're consuming Hulu, they're consuming Apple, whatever, yep. um, that you can't just be like, hey, I know this video isn't that great, but you understand it's not really our main thing. Nobody cares why your video is not dope. They're just right. like, this video is not dope. Right. You know? And that's that's the key right there. Right. I mean, if your video can't can't connect with your audience, right. whether it's the content or just how, how it looks right. or how it sounds, it's mm-hmm. so important. And then you just lose your audience and you lose your message and it's you, right. you, you're just talking to nobody at that point. Yeah. And how it looks and how it sounds may not be the most important thing when you, you know, globally, and you say, well, what's sure. But it's the front door. Right. Right. And point. so if it, if it doesn't look good and it sounds terrible, the gold is never going to get found mm-hmm. um, because you, it, it wasn't inviting, right? Nobody wanted to walk in and check it out. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's not really being superficial to say that it has to look great. Uh, it's just the nature of, of video. Right? It's a first impression, right? Yeah. And it's also sort of, um, and, and I do this whenever I'm watching a, a TV show or, or a movie that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. The first, you know, 10, 30 seconds of whatever you're watching, depending on how it looks, depending on how it feels and sounds, yeah. you know from the start whether you're in good hands or not. Yep. 
that's how you, that's how at least it, how it makes me feel as someone mm -hmm. who does video. But I think as someone who just consumes video, that's how you feel. And, and if you yeah. look at the first thing that you see and you're like, uh, if you have that hesitation, you don't feel like you're in good hands. Yeah. And then from that moment on, you don't have confidence in the message that's being sent to you. Right. No. So if it's education from, from the get go, you're not only not engaged, you don't, you don't really trust what you're hearing because they didn't put in the time and the effort to make the product for you better. Yeah, unless you're being forced to watch, a slow start is death. Yeah. Right? It can't start slow, right? Unless I know this thing, right? right? Episode 7 of Breaking Bad could start slow. Sure. Because I'm already in. I'm already invested. I have sure. expectations. But if I've never seen something before, and it's got some winding, like, <laughs> what is this? I'm not going to get to the good part. Yep. You know, and I think that applies to, you know, all kinds of video, not just you know, entertainment, but unfortunately education too. Yeah. And pacing, pacing is so important too, because even, you know, and, and we deal with this a lot with our clients. So, you know, we'll have somebody who has, a, you know, every client has six hours worth of content to talk about mm -hmm. in their one minute video. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's up to us to help figure out how we can curate that and just put the bare minimum of what's needed to get your point across out there right. and hit you hard right at the start. Yeah. Because if you don't, like you said, you just you're just slow pacing and you're not there and you lose people. Yeah. And unless you're being forced to watch it, you know, you're you're out. Yeah. There's there's another piece of that too, um, which is in your video, you can't be this is not a good word, but I'm gonna use it just for effect. You can't be so arrogant as to think that once someone has started watching it, then they are riveted and they're committed to watch this thing all the way to the end. Sure. Or to focus all the way to the end. And so one of the things you gotta be thinking about is, and in education we call it pedagogy, is what are those things that help the person watching this video know what you're discussing, be able to reference it, know, know how to, to get out and get back in. Because a lot of times, you see this in sports, uh, sports videos all the time, like shows on ESPN where um, there'll be a ticker on the right telling you where you are mm -hmm. in, the, in a sequence of topics, and then there's another ticker along the bottom that's telling you what we're talking about right now. And I, actually, I know some of those guys. And, and uh, one of the producers was telling me, that the reason they do that is because they know if you look away, you check a text message on your phone and you come back, we want you to quickly be able to pick up and know where you are. Because the big, no one's going to sit there and go, oh, what are they talking about? I don't, yeah, that's I, really smart. That's when people hit the channel, right? That's really but smart. But I think there's applications of that exact same principle to educational video. Oh, my God, yeah. Right? Um, if I'm a student, right, and, and you know, because, of course, students have, you know, these super intense and long attention spans. No, right? <laughs> but there's, they, they get distracted. Right. Right. And yeah, you can play, well, they'll pause and rewind or they'll be like, okay, let me go do something else. So why don't we try to figure out ways to give them a progress bar to know where they are? It just um, makes sense. And a map to know where we're going. Yeah. And that should just be standard, uh, I think, for, for educational video. That really does make sense. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I've, I haven't heard that before. That makes sense to me as like, you know, I don't know why we're, we're, we're not doing that, whether that's in the video or in a player, you know, mm -hmm. embedded in some sort of player that's on yeah. the same screen. That's brilliant um, because you're right. You know, the attention spans are, are zero, yeah. you know, and they're going to look away and they're not yeah. going to pause it. Let's be honest. Right. They're not. Unless there's yeah. a test on what they're, what they're watching, they're not going to yeah. pause it so they can come back and still pick this stuff up. Yeah. And, and as long as you're, you're also teaching it in a way that's communicating in a bit of a broad enough stroke that still gives the idea that if they miss two seconds, they're not going to get tripped up. 
And maybe it's funny you talk about pausing, um, or maybe we should instruct students to pause sometimes, right? Because so there's things you don't want to do, right? You don't want to put too many words on screen, sure, right? But Ugh. but also some of the diagrams that I put that you may put a put up to illustrate a, a concept, right? You can't just sit back and let someone absorb a diagram mm -hmm. for eight minutes, no. right? Which is but it still may be important to show that thing. But maybe right. you give some directions. Right along along the margin, they say, "Hey, pause this." Yeah, pause this. Take this in. Read this. Yeah. at your own time. Yeah, and when you're done, come back. Yeah, I'll be here when you get back. Right. right. So, I mean, but that kinds of things of being aware of the medium. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, don't just be like, "Well, we're in a video now. We can't like break the fourth wall and be like, you should pause this video right now." Yes, you can. Why not? You absolutely can yeah. do that. You know? Especially, especially in education. Yeah. Right. Because that's it's it's more so a tool than it is, you know, like in marketing, Yeah. you know, in marketing, you want something quick and snappy and you want to get the point across and you right. want in and out and you're done with education. You need to take more time, but if you need yeah. to take more time, you might as well make that more focused time yeah. and more important. Yeah. It's a know, tool. Audience. Yeah. Right. It's a tool. I think that's one of the things that, you know, we talked about kind of big publishers, I think have always wrestled with is understanding, even with the textbook, that the textbook is a tool. I used to say that the textbook is kind of like the user's manual for the class, mm -hmm. that your primary source is your, is your instructor. Sure. Right? Your next source is your notes. Your next source is probably somebody in your class. Hey, did you know what that, did you understand that, whatever? And then, like, the last resort. When all else fails. Is, all right, I'll have to pull out the book and read it. Now, that's not optimal. Right. But I think that's how it is for a lot of students. And But if you work at a company that's creating those things, we had a, a, a tendency to think of it as if it were actually the center of the course. Right. Um, it, it all As though it all starts from there and right. ends there. But understanding the, the role that it plays, um, I think, helps you make a better product. Right? Yeah. Accepting that it is a tool. And then with the technology, you had an opportunity to come closer to the center because, hey, do your homework here. Sure. Right. But even still, sure. it's a tool for doing homework. It's not necessarily the tool for learning, at least not primary learning. Right. right. It reinforces things you've already learned. Right. Uh, and now when we get to video, we say, well, what is video? And people tend to think of it as a replacement for lecture. I think you can do that for people who didn't attend the lecture. I agree. But I think, and it's not a replacement for reading. I think what video is, is something that can work in tandem with reading and in tandem with lecture to make those things better. Yeah. Right? So a video that says, hey, you're going to, you know, you're about to read this section on whatever. Uh, as you read this, be thinking about the following questions. One of the things you might notice is that this doesn't add up with that. Right? Right. So, you know. Think about that. And when we come back, you know, maybe that's something you want to ask your professor about in lecture. Sure. You know, or you can go to our other video where we talk about that right. if you don't have access to your professor. But it can make reading better. But the thing about reading that you don't get from video is reading requires you to comprehend, turn what you're comprehending into a picture in your head, and sure. then remember it. Sure. That's a deeper level of understanding than kind of passively watching something. Yep, and it takes a lot more yeah. concentration. It does. It does, which is why people say, well, eventually everybody's going to learn from YouTube. I'm like, if everybody learns from YouTube, then everybody's going to learn the same thing 20,000 times <laughs> before it sinks in from YouTube. Because when I go to YouTube to try to figure out how to do something, like in Premiere, mm -hmm. I'll go to YouTube like, all right, I need to figure out how to, how to, ma how to mask something 
you know, so I want to keep, you know, I want to move this piece of paper out of a frame. Sure. I've gone to the same YouTube video every time I had to do that. Right. Because there's no pedagogy right. in YouTube, right? It's just somebody going, okay, first you click on this, then you click on that, then you mask the thing, and then you bring your image back in and boom. And you're like, okay, good, I did it. Yeah, I'm but not I, retaining it. But I didn't retain it, right? And um, But I think that's the thing that's missing from a lot of educational video is the context, the setup, and then some way to test my understanding at the end of it, right? There are things that you can take from the book world, I think, like the thing we talked about with the mapping and all that. Sure. And apply it to video that makes it a better learning tool. Uh, but I don't think those models are out there. Or maybe I just haven't found them. And then this is a business that I'm in now. Um, you know, I'm, I am starting to consult with some learning design and learning science people mm -hmm. uh, to try to create um, kind of a model for learning video. And it has, and it's not generic, right? It's depending on what kind of thing you're trying to learn. There's there's the need in a lot of courses to put theory into context. And some of the stuff we're doing with you guys, right. right? We have a title, Theory in Context. Sure. But if you peel that back a little further, go a little deeper into that, that's a really important thing, right? Um, in international relations, for instance, there are a lot of equations meant to describe how international actors behave. Sure. Hearing that as an equation unless you're a special kind of political science nerd, which I was at one point <laughs> in my life, uh -huh. is like, whoa, I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah, no, that, that goes right over my head. Right. So being able to take that theory and then explain it in some kind of real-life context is yeah. really valuable yeah. for you understanding that theory. Yeah. Right? For those pictures to pop up in your head when you hear this thing about these variables, A, B, and P to the second power somehow tells yeah. you whether companies, countries are going to go to war or not, right? That's, but the video can certainly help you understand that by sure. putting that in a real uh, world situation. So I think that's one thing you need video for. There's also stuff that people just get confused about and you need some kind of trigger so you remember it. Mm -hmm. You know, like if there is some cool animation to show you the difference between convex and concave, mm -hmm. which I used, when I was in school, I used to get confused about that. Sure. And it'd be like, Concave, convex, concave, convex. Right, just something right, right, right. silly just like, something that, like that, like that, like a C, You know, move, move the, you right. know, make a C that goes up, make a U that yeah. goes, yeah. You know, stuff like that, right? And you something can just sticks. bury that somewhere. And it's yeah. just that something that pops in your head so you never get confused about that that thing again. And, and I think to your point, honestly, um, something, even, even if it's um, a little bit silly, mm -hmm. will stick way more Yo. than, like, silly sticks. Yeah. Especially if, if what you're watching isn't about something so heavy, right, right. that you can't do something like that. Yeah. If you're just doing, you know, if you're not talking about the Holocaust and you're talking about things that are more, you know, um, uh, a, a lot not lighter. that are not the Holocaust. Let's just say anything yeah. that's not the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. so let's just put the line there. Um, but, yeah, basically, you, you do something that, you know, has a, a fun element to it mm -hmm. that maybe someone wasn't even expecting you know, it doesn't take itself super seriously, but it, yeah. but as a result, it's re, it's actually helping right. reinforce the concept. Yeah, that's our goal. That's fantastic. That's our goal. So, like, I don't know why silliness would be off limits in the endeavor of getting people to learn. Yeah, and, and silliness is universal. Yeah. Like, think about your, your daily life. You know, when you interact with people... There are so many funny people in this world yes. that no one, no one will know on a larger scale, and that's fine. But those people, like that's that's daily life for yeah. all of us. So when we try to make these buttoned up, you know, really tight yeah. pieces that feel like they're in the institution of education, yeah. it seems like it needs to be, you know, sacred. Right. But if you just throw a little bit of, you know, fun, a little entertainment well, into that. 
So you're, one of the things you can do, though, is I, I think so part of that is because there's a persona out there, and that persona is of a college professor, mm-hmm. right? And we have this idea that professors are supposed to be serious, and sure. you know, a lot of them are. But what if we back up and we make it not about professors teaching, but maybe a more of a peer-to-peer, mm-hmm. student-to-student way of teaching, right? And so, like, because this is how my mind works, you're talking about, like, being silly. Like, if you wanted to talk about empathy and how rare empathy is, and the example was somebody's in a really quiet room in a very serious event, church or whatever, and they come up on stage and they start to talk, but instead they slip out of fart. Right? right. Hilarious. Farting equals funny. Everybody knows it's funny. <laughs> but what if I gave you an example and said the one person in a room that does, that does not laugh yeah. and actually feels sorry for that person and feels like they need to go up there and do something so they don't feel as bad. So I don't know if they go up there and they fart too or whatever. But that person... That's what empathy is. That's empathy. If that was the explanation of empathy <laughs> in your book, you would never you would forget never what forget empathy it. is. Never forget it. Right. Like so, I'm, now I'm yeah. always going to think about empathy. When oh, I thought you were, feeling, you, were, you were starting to feel a little gassy. But you know what I mean? But like yeah, that's, yeah. that's silly. That's yeah. silly, and it would help you remember something. So why I don't know why on earth something so rich would be off limits yeah. in education. I, and I, well, I think that that's, that's the, the pivot that needs to happen. That's mm-hmm. clearly happening, but it's, it's what's happening in a, in a splinter form where you've got guys like you who were a part of those institutions that are now saying, look, the world is changing and we need to be more nimble also. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the issues that, that any major large corporation has is it can't get it out of its own way, yeah. right? And for no other reason than it's too big. It's, yeah. it's, it's this giant mass that keeps moving and moving and moving and, and to make any kind of changes takes forever. But you got, you know, you have smaller players come off of that yeah. who are already aware of the situation and the problems and how to fix things. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said that she, she came from, she actually came from marketing mm-hmm. and she wound up working at a, a large pharmaceutical company now. And they love her there because they ask her to do something. She does it usually that day, within two days, whatever mm-hmm. it is, and they look at her like she's a god. Right. Like, how did you do that? And she's like, well, because I just did the thing. Yeah. You know, it's just a different mindset in different industries. Yeah, it is freeing, um, being kind of on the entrepreneurial side now as opposed to, you know, being part of a 35,000-person company sure. for 20 years. Um, sometimes I look around for, you know, like, Somebody should stop me. <laughs> Where are the yeah. adults? Yeah. But, you know, there's that Shawshank line about institutionalized, of what it is to be institutionalized. It's like when you first get here, and I'm probably going to butcher it, when you first get here, you hate these walls. Um, then you learn to accept them. And then ultimately, you start to depend on them. Yep. You know, and I think there's something to be said about the corporate structure in that it creates these um, these really comfortable somewhat low bars around, you know, what what's expected of you. For instance, there's a problem, something happens, well, I send an email to one person alerting them of the problem, and now I've done my part. Right. I send an email. It's absolved you of any, you know, yeah. responsibilities. You did your part, but right. now you're relying on three, four, five other people yeah. to, to handle whatever that is. Right. When you could handle it yourself, maybe. Right, I could have done it. You know? I could have done that it. Wasn't, but that wasn't... Your part yeah. in the big ladder. Yeah, and then when 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 it blows up, well, you, you did know, your part. Yeah, I go to my sent file. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, I sent Bob an email about this on yeah. August twenty second. I'm good. And guess I, what? Bob's got an email somewhere that he says, sent to somebody. Yep. 
right? Yep. August 25th, he yeah. said something else yeah. too. <laughs> and there we go. So, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 that's, I, I, that's an unfortunate symptom of something that maybe started as a noble endeavor, you know? And it's not to say that, you know, large institutions can't, can't function or can't yeah. teach, but the world is, is changing. So I think what we're getting to is it's not really the size of the organizations. It's the, organi- it's the organization of the organization. It's the structure of sure. the organization. Um, you know, and I think, you know, we used to say stuff like, well, you can't turn a cruise ship on a dime. And you're like, yeah, it's not really that. It's, it's, it's the, how are you organized? Are you organized to be able to turn on a dime, right? Because there are, I mean, Apple's massive. Right. And they pivot. And they pivot all, all the time. All the time. Right. So maybe it's not size. Um, it, it's the way you're structured. That's a good point. Yeah. Just knowing that that's the way you're going to operate. Yeah. You know, knowing at the start that if you're going to make a massive shift, it's not gonna, it's not going to disrupt the apple cart. Yeah, but it's yeah. also about how tight um, how tight the pieces are. Um, so here's a golf analogy. So first of all, everybody sucks at golf. Oh yeah. Anybody has any apprehension or is worried? I don't want to play golf because people think I'm bad and people will be behind me looking like, oh, what, what is this guy doing? Go to the driving range and just watch. It's everybody. Right. There are people who are. I mean, basically taking their life in their own hands, just hitting balls in a stall. <laughs> it's like you're in, this, you're, in the, you're in the Plinko game, except it's like three-dimensional, right? So everybody's bad at golf. But the thing about the golf swing, right, and the grip, and that if you hold, if your hands, whether you interlock or whether you, you overlap, mm-hmm. the, the tighter your hands are to each other, the better able you are to turn your wrists and actually get speed on your swing. If your hands are apart, like baseball swing, baseball grip or apart, it's really hard to turn your hands over. If your company has a lot of space and, and latitude between departments, and it's not going anywhere. Anytime it's not fast. going. You can't turn it quick. Yeah. you can't turn it quick. But if it's That's tight, right. and because like if a CEO says we are shifting to digital, everything we do is going to be about digital, and everybody below you sees that as a suggestion, as opposed to a edict. <laughs> then yeah, you're not going to be able to turn quickly. Yeah. But if people are like, oh, it's digital now, and I look at whatever my world is, I've got to figure out how to make that thing digital, which is such an antiquated notion. Like, we're going to make it digital. But you see what I mean? But like, Right, if, but you're going to pivot. You're going to change. Yeah, you're, you're going to be able to change. You're going to be able to do whatever is needed yeah. on a dime. Yeah, so that's organization. I really, I really, really believe that. The things that I did while I was at Pearson that, that did kind of change the game in marketing, uh, it was really about people being in lockstep and everybody believing that this is the direction and not evaluating constantly whether this is the right thing to do. Because whether it's the right thing, to do, we'll never know if it's the right thing to do if we don't do it. Right. You won't know until you right. try it. Yeah. So these, these tentative steps, uh, I just think, make it so you actually never know if that was a good idea or not because you really actually never implemented it. Yeah. And I think that's important. And that's, and it's, it's exciting, right? You know, it's exciting that you are now in a position where you are at the top of a company where you can actually have influence over the way the company thinks and the way that the company operates. So you can be more nimble and you can be more forward thinking. I want to figure out how I can do this, um, as my primary get down, right? Because I feel like that's a way to kind of impact, um, the world in a way that I can feel good about, but it's also fun. Yeah. Like I love making video, right? Yeah. It's, it's oh, just I amazing, mean, right? You're preaching to the choir. I love yeah. making video, you know, and, and it can be anything from, you know, something that's uh, maybe not the most exciting mm-hmm. and all the way up. Yeah. It's just the process is fun. 
getting the people involved is fun. Yeah. Being there, um, being on set, the energy that you get from all yeah. of it. And then, you know, being able to have some finished product when you're done, yep. whatever its purpose is and saying, you know what? We did that. We as a group did that. It just blows me away to just see people when they're free to bring their talent and their creativity uh, to a project. And they're in a, a, an atmosphere where the rest of the crew or the rest of the team is open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, just what's possible. And like, why would you not want to be a part of that if you have anything to contribute? Oh, yeah. Just to be, just to get in, just to be a part of it. Anytime you can surround yourself with people who are better than you. Yep. People who know, you know. Not hard for me. <laughs> It's great though, yeah. isn't it? It's 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 great. That's that's always been a philosophy, you know, here yeah. and anywhere I've worked is, you know, if I'm going to bring people on, um it makes no sense to to bring someone on who can't help elevate me and the rest of the crew. Yeah. Everybody's an expert at something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, putting those people in the right places at the right time, giving those people the right opportunities, you get so much from that and everybody wins. So watch me bring this back around to education. Let's do it. Everybody's good at something. Yep. Uh, as we start thinking about how you learn, everybody's also good at teaching something, right? What I think we need to be trying to figure out is ways to take those things that someone's good at, right? It doesn't have to be an entire field. It doesn't have to be an entire discipline. It may be like one thing that I'm really good at explaining. Mm-hmm. Let's film that. Yeah. Let's film you explaining that one thing that you love to explain that you're really good at. You've done it a million times. And let's put that out there and make that available to someone else who needs to understand that. Right. I had a thought like that before too. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about it more like like a like a web series or a podcast series. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can learn so much from people who have done something yes. and are good at it. Yeah. I think that's key. And the other point you made about um, people that are putting yourself around people who are better than you. I've hired a lot of people in my career and I'm reaping the benefits of that now because some of the people that were really, really talented young folks uh, have now left Pearson. They've gone on to other places in their career. And some of these people are in places where they can actually, they have a little more latitude and they're hiring us to do video work. It's great. Right? Um, and, it, and it's because um, of those relationships that we built and the fact that i as a manager, I've never been someone who's, you know, tries to say like, well, actually, I'm in charge, so I should be speaking here, right? If you know something and you know it better, then I want to be the person that gives you a platform. Yep. Right? I do not want to be the one to figure out what's in your head and then try to spin it and say it's mine. Yeah. Right? Because that's not what I'm hired to do. Because what's the point? Right. I'm a manager. I'm not a, I'm not a spokesperson. Yeah. It's all about taking people with the information, with the knowledge, the ability to convey it and finding the best medium uh, to get that information uh, into the hands and the minds of the audience. And we can't be so tied into has to be a book, has to be software, has to be a video, but how do we let these things work together? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do we make it variable so that people who learn in certain ways can figure out the right mix sure. of those tools um, to get where they need to go? And I think it's really, really important. One of the things that's happened in education um, is that it's become really transactional because of how much it costs, right? Because of student loans. So people are kind of evaluating what higher education based on like, should I major in this? Well, what does the job pay that I'm gonna get when I get out, right? And I completely understand that calculus. The problem is there's a lot of things that you need to know that don't pay anything. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, or the payoff isn't monetary, 
Right. Right. So history. Right. Really important to know. Right. Uh, things that teach you to think critically don't necessarily uh, pay you the way it would be for you to be a Python coder. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think we're going to be able to turn universities around so that people suddenly decide to be history majors. But what I do think we can do is we can create really interesting history content that's available online mm-hmm. um, that people find fascinating and want to hear this story through video. Drunk history is a good example. Amazing. Of that, right? Amazing. Um, but how do we take these, these, these skills that people really need in order to live life not just to make money, but to be able to understand around them, the be informed yeah. consumers of data, sure. all those things we need to try to, you know, undo some of the things that have that have happened that seem to be taking us down a really scary path. That's not going to happen from everybody being a business major. Right. Right. That's right. going to happen from people you knowing how to think critically, understanding history, understanding politics, understanding sociology, being able to kind of deal with some abstract concepts around the greater good. Right. Um, and I think video may be the way that we kind of fill in some of the gaps from where that's been lost from higher education because of the the financial financial piece of that. It'd be amazing if if higher education could find a way to provide that to all of their students, yeah. right? At, at 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 the cost of tuition, yeah. You know, as a resource, mm-hmm. and not just someone who's interested in this class takes this thing and learns yeah. that thing. But this is the resource, a blanket resource that you can go and access because yeah. you are a part of this institution. Yeah, I think it, it should be available there. But I also want to think that people get to the point where they realize they need to learn this stuff at different times. Because now I don't think we any longer have the ability to say, hey, you need to learn this. Right. Uh, and so now what we're depending on is people getting at certain points in their life or life events making you go, hey, I'd really like to understand that better. Yeah, curiosity. Yeah, and if that's what we're waiting on, then we we don't want to be like, hey, there's this four-year period, five in my case, where (laughs) where you have access (laughs) to this information. Um, We should elongate that. Sure. And and also then be aware of what are those things that trigger um, people to want to know this stuff um, and figure out ways through the technology to say, hey, you just had a life, you just had a kid. You might want to take a peek at this. Yeah, this would be a great time. <laughs> this is this is stories yeah. from people who've had kids yeah. who are going through the same thing you're going through. Yeah. Well, you might want to take a peek. Yeah. So so maybe, you know, it's it's lifelong learning. Yeah. You know, and but but the thing about lifelong learning is it shouldn't be happenstance, right? There's some things that we know about when certain information is relevant to people. Um, and if we can get that to them in a non, you know, Cambridge Analytica type of way, right. then maybe we can help. Right. Um, instead of using um, data to sell people stuff, yeah, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of really good implications that can come from from all of that. Yeah, well, yeah. I think this was a fantastic. It was a lot discussion. of fun. It I don't was. know. I don't know if anybody wants to watch this, but I, I do think that <laughs> we had a good conversation. It was a win for me, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, before we go, uh, where can, where can people find you? You know, I, I don't know if you want to. Oh uh, yeah. So I've got, uh, I do street photography. Okay. So Moomba Jones, M-U-M-B-A Jones is my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my Twitter handle now, it, it fluctuates as, uh, MJ uppercuts, um, which, you know, I go pretty hard. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a place for everyone. That's fair. Um, and, uh, and, and Enlight? And Enlight, and, um, Enlight, we are EnlightMedia.net. Okay. Because somebody owns EnlightMedia.com, but they're not doing anything on it. Ugh. And we tried to buy it, 
And like, I made a decent offer. Sure. And they were just like, yeah, no, no thanks. Yeah, no. I'm like, dude, but like now that we have .NET, doesn't that drive down the value of .com? <laughs> like, <laughs> you would think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, I offered them 10 bucks and they were like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, come in hard with 11. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's something ninety nine. I think that's something it. anything ninety nine because it's not the full price. Yeah, thirteen ninety nine. Thirteen. That's not fourteen bucks. I yeah. can do it. Yeah. No, nah, they weren't having it. All right, well, thank you so much, Patrice. All right. This was great. Do we shake on it? Well, it's, it's, yeah, I we, feel like we, we should because it's uh, awesome. It's video. Very good. I keep forgetting. I think it's <laughs> audio, and I'm like, oh, that's me. I should have looked at the camera more. Ideas always go further when they're shared. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think about this show's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.